Welcome back to another episode of Lost It Down. This is a part two installment of our season preview. We're jumping right back into the AFC. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined, as always, with Steven Weed. So let's just pick it up right where we left off with the NFC North. Let's finally flip it over to the NFC. My neck of the woods, Walter. You're an AFC guy. I mean, I'm in AFC territory, but I grew up watching NFC football. And we're going to start with my division here. I'm walking into the gas station asking for a map right now because I, I don't know really where I'm at. I was in the AFC. Like you said, I'm in your neck of the woods, Stephen. That's what I like to hear. You know what also is in my neck of the woods? Right down the street, Bishop Sycamore. We're going to go with the AFC North. We all know. Let's keep this one short, Wally. Our fourth team, I'm not even going to look at what you have written down in our rundown. The Detroit Lions are going to be the last place team, if not in the NFL, at least in the NFC North. I have them being absolutely fucking miserable. So this week, they were cutting veterans like Quentin Dunbar. Just cut Rashad Perryman, who they had signed in the offseason. I know, you know, Quentin Dunbar more than Perryman is what our eyebrows are being raised about. Tyrell Williams, yeah, boy. Sorry, ex-boy, because he was with the Chargers, same division, is the number one receiver. You have DeAndre Swift. Yeah, you got Jamal Williams in that backfield, but for one O line And what quarterback? Jared Goff has not proven anything outside of being a system quarterback and arguably the greatest offensive system outside of Kyle Shanahan. Where do you find the wins? Loss against the Niners, Packers, Ravens, Bears, Vikings, Bengals, Rams, Eagles. I'm giving the Eagles the win against the Lions because that's how confident, that's how lack of confidence I have in the dumpster fire in Detroit. Steelers, Browns, Bears, I had them winning against the Vikings week 13. They wrap the season up with Denver, Arizona, Atlanta, Seattle, and Green Bay. Where do you find the wins? Pick out the win. Where's Waldo? Except I'm fucking blind and can't see anything. No, this is a team that if it is not the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Houston Texans, they're the worst team in football. You try to even look at their starting 22 on both sides of the ball. Try to find guys that are worth a shit. I mean, I'd argue that this roster is Bishop Sycamore. This might be that team. I mean, if you don't have the drafted and new guys like Panay Sewell, I mean, yeah, maybe you just argue that. I mean, there's five or six recognizable names to the average fan here. Frank Ragnow, TJ Hawkinson. I guess you have guys like Darren Fells, like older veterans that aren't worth a damn anymore. But We're so, really backing up Darren Fells. I mean, That's how I'm bad trying. this roster is that Darren Fells isn't bad. Like, he wasn't the second or third string tight end on Arizona two years ago. I mean, you're right. I mean, you look at this defense. I mean, outside of Jeffrey Okuda... Who are you going to make a case for? Jamie Collins? It's not 2015 anymore. There's nothing on this team that's worth a damn. It's a, I have them listed as 3-14. and 14. I don't see a division win. I tried. I looked. I don't see one. They're terrible. I, I, I'm glad you said let's keep it short because for them, I don't see the wins. I just hope Dan Campbell knows what he got himself into because it's going to get really ugly really fast. So the Lions in a what? We have to look at it. I'm kind of going off the cusp here. In a 10 to 12 year span are going to have two, for me at least, two 16 loss seasons. You just get lucked out because I have you winning one against Minnesota. And that's a fucking maybe. I have them at 15 losses. But if golf looks as bad as I expect him to, it really could be 16. Sounds like we're both on the same page on 
absolutely riding Detroit's under a four and a half. I, I don't know if that's moved at all, but man, that's an I think it's an absolute lock. There's no way that this is Vegas having a trap bet. It's too good to be true. Every now and then, Vegas misses a little bit, and I think this is one of their misses. Detroit does not get four and a half. I don't think it's close, which makes a very fun conversation. Let's go to Minnesota here. Minnesota, I think, is very clearly our third team in the NFC North. Maybe you disagree. If you do, correct me if you're wrong. But again, or correct me. I I like that I said that. Correct me if you're wrong, because I'm not wrong on that if you think they're third. This team, again, ah, man, you just go through this schedule. Uh, Anytime you you pay a half a foot in the grave Patrick Peterson to the contract you did, it kind of reeks of desperation. I know that you're kind of still feeling the effects of bringing in that fully guaranteed contract to Kirk Cousins. I love me some Adam Thielen. I love me some Justin Jefferson. But come on. They're not going to be able to score enough points to get more than, I don't know, I'd say four, five wins. It's another team that's going to really struggle, especially in this division, because I I know I kind of hinted at in the last few weeks. I think that once Justin Fields comes in, Chicago not being by any means a playoff team or a very elite team, there's going to be a difference between what Minnesota and Detroit is. It looks like Chicago has a purpose. It looks like Chicago has kind of their foot going in the right direction. Minnesota, on the other hand, just embrace the rebuild. If you can get anything for Kirk Cousins, it's starting to turn into a situation to me like what you and I were talking about last year with Matt Ryan. Leo Jones, and then Atlanta Falcons team. You're not getting it done with this group. At what point do you just say, hey, let's get what we can. We know it's going to get ugly for a little while, but the only way to get better is to truly embrace the suck. And that's what it is. Embrace the suck. That's going to be the next couple of years. Steven, where do you have the Vikings? How many wins you got? I'm a little bit nicer than you are with them, but at the end of the day, I'm really not that nice. I have them at 7-10. and 10. Side note, no one's really talking about this. Could Mike Zimmer be on the hot seat this year? He's a defensive-minded coach. I think so, too. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Going into that second and third potentially consecutive season where that defense is not (laughs) – the Cavs just signed Taco Fall. We're going into the you know two years in a row, potentially going into the third year in a row where that defense is not Mike Zimmer-esque. Yeah, like you said, you have an, an aging Pat Peterson. You bring back Everson Griffin. But that quarterback room, you have Kirk Cousins on that guaranteed contract that Wally was talking about, but you also brought in Kellen Mond. That offensive line is also another question mark. And defensively, like I said, they are not going to be the Mike Zimmer-esque defense that we're used to. I have them starting 2-4. and four. Losses to the Bengals, Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns, 0-4 to start. Going into the bye week, beating the Lions and the Panthers. But then you have the Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, Packers, Niners over that five-game span. I so I gave Minnesota a game against Green Bay because I feel like they will always play them close because Green Bay doesn't get that we need to stop the run, and Dalvin Cook torches us every single fucking game. But then you're bringing the end of it. You have at Detroit, win against the Steelers, in my opinion, losing to Chicago in Chicago, losing to the Rams, Losing to the Packers, beating Chicago the last game to get you to 7-10. and 10. I just don't see, I think I'm being a little bit harsh to begin the season at 0-4, but it's not unrealistic because that's how they started last year. They started very slow last year. That offense on paper is awesome. 
You should be good. You're just not going to be. Adam Thielen keeps getting that hammy injured. Justin Jefferson, you think they're going to figure him out? Very filthy route runner. I just don't have enough confidence in this Vikings team, which leads me to the regrettable second place team who I can't believe I'm backing up, Adam. Chicago Bears. I have the Chicago Bears going second place in this division, still falling under 500 at 8 and 9. They have a pretty treacherous schedule. So every one of the NFC North has the toughest schedule because we have the NFC West as well as the AFC North, the two toughest divisions in football. Chicago starting with the Rams, loss, win against the Bengals, lose against the Browns, win against the Lions, win against the Raiders. Defensively, I think Chicago's going to get back to that prowess. There's just so many studs on that defense where it's hard. They obviously took that step back last year, but I think that they're going to be ready to play because they're going to put Khalil Mack back in that getting after the quarterback. Not so much moving on to the inside and taking away from his true position. And hopefully the double teams are going to kind of get knocked off a little bit compared to what they have. We all know Andy Dalton's not the answer. We're waiting for him to really fuck up the first three weeks. <laughs> Essentially get out of that brunt of the schedule defensively before you throw Justin Fields in there. But they have a few tough games defensively from week seven to week 11. Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens. Four of the top defenses in the league. Is that something you want Justin Fields to face? I'm not sure. We know we want Andy Dalton to face it because he's going to fuck up, thus throwing Justin Fields in here to get the few games underneath his belt to end his rookie season. If Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay move on from each other, that division's wide open. Depending on how Justin Fields play, maybe it's their division to win in the future here with Aaron Rodgers out. But that's not until next year we have to cross that bridge. Unfortunately, I think you're probably right and this just means that there's another year that the Packers will not pass the torch in the NFC North. It is the Packers division again, but for the Bears, like you were saying before, I like Justin Fields quite a bit. I really do think that he has the potential to be a quarterback in this league, a starting quarterback in this league. But if you watch that preseason game this last week, I think it's going to be something that we get used to, unfortunately. That offensive line while being, I guess, kind of mediocre, isn't going to be able to hold up when there's not the weapons on that team. He's got to be able to have a place to throw the ball. If Allen Robinson's not getting open, I don't know who's going to do it. Is it going to be the aging Jimmy Graham? I don't think so. Is it going to be Darnell Mooney? I'm not a big fan. Maybe you are. I, I just don't see it. David Montgomery's a solid back option. But man, this is the defense that... At least is competent. I, I don't know. I just feel like this Bears team is a 8-9 to nine win team. I guess this year I'm saying 8-9. I do think they go 4-2 and two in the division with the two losses coming to Green Bay. I do think they sweep Minnesota and Detroit. Giving possibly Bears fans a little bit of hope for the future. I just don't think it's this year. I, I think that they are still a year away. If I am a Justin Fields supporter, if I'm a Justin Fields advocate if I'm a Bears fan I kind of hope that Andy Dalton plays most of the games I don't want him to be susceptible to what could be out there Uh, I know that's not the most in-depth thing on the offense I do like Akeem Hicks quite a bit as you would imagine I love Khalil Mack as well there is the speed there I I do like the athleticism of Roquan Smith and Danny Trudebathan I just don't think that it's going to be able to keep that, what, defensive points per game? I don't know. What would you say? 23-24? That, that's going to be more than enough for this offense to overcome. 
Give it a year, Bears fans. I do think that you have a bright horizon. It's just not here yet, which I guess would leave us to your Green Bay Packers, which I think I have them both times I did this. I have the same record. I have them going 12-5 and and 6-0 and in division. I don't think that this is a long-lasting thing. I think you have to enjoy it while you can, Steven, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't because this team is still a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. You have actually a decent wide receiver core. I, I love Devontae Adams. You've got that big red zone target in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Even bringing Randall Cobb back, we'll see how that plays out. Then factor that into a talented running back room. Aaron Jones is always solid. And then A.J. Dillon, especially in short yardage, I think he could have a really, I guess, decent breakout year in that respect. And then shit, you look at that defensive uh, backfield. It's something Packers fans haven't been able to say for quite a long time. But it's one of the better ones in football. I really do like the defensive backfield. I think this team is going to be, that, like I said, that 12-5-ish realm. They're going to have to beat a team, whether that be Dallas or Washington, whether that be Tampa or San Francisco. You're going to have to beat at least one, probably two of those teams to make the Super Bowl. But if you do it, you have Aaron Rodgers. You should at least be able to compete for a Super Bowl if that happens. Just stay healthy. Because I don't think that the 17-game regular season is going to even pose a threat for the postseason whatsoever. Just stay healthy and give yourself a chance. Because that's all you really need. Just give yourself a chance with Aaron Rodgers. But let's hear from you. This is your team, buddy. Your Green Bay Packers. How are they doing? And, of course, so you know you have to bring it to me. My Green Bay Packers. I have them winning this division. I'm not as high on them as I was a couple weeks ago. I believe I had them at the 13-4 and position a little bit there. I have them winning the division at 11-6 and six and being the three seed in the NFC. Opening up against the Saints and Lions, both dubs. Lost against the Niners, beating the Steelers-Bengals while losing to the Bears week six. Holding it up against the Washington football team week seven. Then the brunt of the schedule happens here. Got the Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks, Vikings, Rams, Bears, Ravens, Browns. Those are the ones I'm a little bit nice on. Like I said earlier, I have the Packers beating the Browns, home field advantage. Questionable against the Ravens. Don't know how that run defense will be this year. I feel like that's nothing they have ever worked on. Like I was also alluding to earlier, a lot of great, great stories coming out about Rashawn Gary. Even going into this offseason about his productivity in a limited role. So obviously when you... Average that out to a full-time role. The numbers look amazing, but they're actually not the real numbers. Rashawn Gary's a Darius Smith is an absolute problem. And outside of Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in football, and Jari Alexander on that side, you're going to pair it up with the extremely questionable Kevin King. Eric Stokes, who you took in the first round out of Georgia, to pair up with Jari Alexander. Offensively, it's Aaron, it's Aaron Rodgers' show. The offensive line is going to be interesting. David Bakhtiari is on the PUP list for the first six weeks. Awesome things about Elton Jenkins have been said that have been replacing him. And that rookie, that rookie center, Josh Myers out of Ohio State. Big fucking surprise. Those Ohio State boys that are centers are an absolute problem. He has been nothing, nothing but positive reviews from the man himself and Aaron Rodgers. So I am extremely happy when Bakhtiari comes back for this offensive line. You know, losses against the Ravens, beating teams like the Cleveland Browns, the Seahawks. It's very interesting. I think this team is going to be fun. 
Talk about a swan song. This is the last dance for the Green Bay Packers. And they're going out on top in the Aaron Rodgers era with an NFC North title. And we'll see how they fare in the playoffs. And I'll keep moving on to the NFC least here, where we're going to go to the bottom of the division. Our fourth place team, I guess I should say my fourth place team, I have is the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't trust this team at all. This head coach looks like a special teams coordinator. He's sitting on the side wondering what the hell his team is doing. And I just have no confidence from the outside looking into this team. And they have a pretty treacherous schedule to open it up. Falcons in Atlanta, home against the Niners, in Dallas, home against the Chiefs, in Carolina, home against the Bucks, at Vegas, at Detroit, home against the Chargers. I have them winning the Lions game, and that's it. The only other game I have them winning that year is Week 16 against the New York Giants in Philadelphia, strictly because it's a division game. I don't have the Giants finishing that high where that game is going to be a high competitive game for the Giants to actually want to show up. This Eagles team has done nothing in the preseason to make me feel comfortable, and you have to take you have to take that as a small sample size. Because if those if those two threes and fours aren't going to be playing to their strengths in the preseason, what makes you think that these studs on your team want to play for that guy and that are going to deliver? I have no confidence in Nick Mariani this year, and I have no confidence in this Philadelphia Eagles team as a whole. The story coming about how Jeffrey Lurie likes to hold the head coach and the starting quarterback every single day or after every single game on that Tuesday to essentially tell you what they did wrong. There is there is a huge cloud over Philadelphia as if they didn't just win their first sports championship in the NFL, and now they're just going back to their shitty ways. I have no hopes about this Eagles team. Are we matching on the fourth place team, Walter? I actually don't match necessarily, but I do want to stick with the Eagles before I go to my my fourth place team, which would be the Giants. But I want to start with the Eagles because I do have a little bit more faith in them than you do, and that's coming from me. I think they're going to be a 7 or an 8 win team here. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but I think one of the things that concerns me most is the wide receiver room. I do think that the Devontae Smith acquisition, if he can stay healthy, it, he could be a difference maker. And I know that I've basically been slobbing the knob on an offensive line for a lot of teams. I love the offensive line, the interior line play in football. It's one of my favorite things. I think you've probably already been able to, to notice that. But I just when you look at this, you have a guy like Jason Kelson. He gets a lineup next to Landon Dickerson now. I mentioned to you guys a few months ago, he was one of my favorite picks in this entire draft. I know that his knees are a big concern, but I love the heart and I love that getting gritty. I love that getting really into the the mud, so to speak, that that offensive line can be. I just, not only is the wide receiving room tough in Philadelphia, I don't trust their like quarterbacks. I think there's a very good chance that by the end of the year, you're going to see a guy like Gardner Minshew be the quarterback because if Jalen Hurts doesn't do it right away, who would you rather be a placeholder? Do you want it to be Joe Flacco? I mean, I guess the argument would be is if Joe Flacco is your placeholder, you might have a better chance at a top five pick. I I, I guess that would be your only thing. If you want to win games, it's not going to be him, though. They got the legend Garner Minshew ready to come in and take some dubs. That's what I'm saying. Don't be surprised at all if Gardner Minshew is starting in Philadelphia at some point this year. Defense is not great, but at least that they are at least trying to address it. Yeah, you brought in a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. I know he's 115 years old, but you have quite a few 
new rookie guys that are coming in here. I know Milton Williams, Patrick Johnson, Zach McPherson. Hopefully one of those guys are able to make a difference. There's a few other guys, too, that are slipping my mind. Eagles, to me, though, they are that third team. Steven, I know that I you asked me before if they were my four. I'll go real quick into the Giants. You bring in Kenny Galladay, yeah, they, their wide receivers are okay. I guess if you want to give Daniel Jones a little bit longer of a leash, it works out. But holy shit, man. I mean, Andrew Thomas, he wasn't exactly the Makai Becton of the world last year. Saquon Barkley, he's finally back. Let's see if he can make a difference with what we know is that offensive line, which is very like brutal. Will Hernandez, what? I want to see is the UTEP guy from the, the Browns drafted a few years ago. Not a lot there. Devontae Booker, decent Raider this last year. But man, dude, I they're my worst team without doubt. I, I think that they're... Honestly, I think they're a two and fifteen team. I don't think they win a game in division. I Dave Gettleman grossly underestimated how bad this offensive line is, and it's going to ruin their year. Like a lot of these teams that go three and fourteen or something, I'm like, oh, like Detroit, Dan Campbell. Like I like him as a coach. I think he's going to motivate that locker room quite a bit. If I'm a Giants fan, do you like Joe Judge? Honestly, I'll throw it to you. That's a perfect way to go into, I guess, your third place team. Do you like Joe Judge? I don't not like Joe Judge, and it's really funny because I was just dogging Sirianni about how he looks like a special teams coach, and that's exactly what Joe Judge was prior to being the head coach of the New York Football Giants. I have them at six and eleven. I want to have them higher because, again, you know, I always I'm always talking about on paper. Outside of this horrendous, horrific blasphemy. You call an offensive line. There's a lot of talent on the offensive side of that ball. That's a loaded wide receiver room. You have Danny Jones, obviously. You got Saquon coming back. But you added a Kenny Galladay. You have a Sterling Shepard. You have a Darius Slayton, who, if people remember, during an eight-week span spanning back from the season prior to the beginning of last year and the first five weeks, led the NFL in touchdown receptions. This offensive line is not going to do them any favors. You have to be able to protect a quarterback. We're going to see Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl during a 17-game span in the, up in that New Jersey area. This team has all the rights to be good, but it will not go anywhere if you have no offensive line. This defense is not in question. Top 10 defense, they could push for even a better defense this year with leaders in the defensive line like Leonard Williams. In your second level in Blake Martinez. And then you have that secondary. A lot of young cornerbacks. James Bradbury paired up with a Dory Jackson, who we talked about, who just left from Tennessee. Is he going to stand out to you? No, but hell of a guy that you want in your secondary. I can't trust this offensive line enough. Let's look at some of the front sevens they have to face. Washington, two times a year. You got the Broncos. The Saints. Maybe they actually have a solid pass rush. You have to deal with the Bears. You have to deal with the Buccaneers. There's a lot of good pass rushing teams that they have to face. We're in a position that they are not competent in. So 6-11, and 11, I feel like that's a stretch for them. But my Uncle Tim up in uh, Newark Valley where I came from, that's all he's looking for at this point. We'll move on to the second place team who I have in the NFC East and the Washington football team. I know Wally's very high in them because his boy... Chase Young, it's an uphill climb for you because I love Ryan Fitzmagic, but is he really going to get it done for that offensive 
side of the ball. Maybe Taylor Heineke can. But when you have a defense this good, it doesn't really matter who you have on offense. But I guess it does because they were not too good with your boy Dwayne Haskins last year. A lot, a lot of tough teams that this Washington football team is going to be playing. They're opening up with the Chargers, Division Foe Giants, Bills, Falcons, Saints, Chiefs, Packers, Broncos. That's the first half of their schedule. And we're not even touching on the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, the Raiders, the Cowboys twice. I just think offensively that they won't be able to get it done, but defensively they will have enough. I can see this Washington team only averaging about 17 points per game, but will their offense be able to produce that much? They didn't really give that many sexy outings during the preseason where I'm really all in. This is the anomaly because we were saying the same thing last year with that quarterback carousel, the three guys that they had playing. Maybe they can't get it done. And let's not forget that this Washington football team, arguably the same, if not better, was the last team to actually give Tom Brady and those Buccaneers a little run for their money. They added Curtis Samuel in the offseason. If you don't know, that's Ron Rivera's draft pick in Carolina. That's how he ended up. Paired up with his boy from college, Scary Turry. So Antonio Gibson in that backfield, ready to come off a very nice rookie season. That offensive line is also another question mark. You know, you guys can dog me about talking about O-lines a lot. But if you don't have a good O or D-line, your team is fucking worthless. Coming from a Packers fan who never had a D-line up until the last couple years, that's my second place team. I think we know who's the division winner, but let's toss it to you so we can get a little bit of an argument going on. All right, yeah, this is easy. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. I know that I want more of an argument with you too. I do not actually think they win the division, but I'm going to tell you why Washington makes the wild card as a second seed here and are probably more... It's kind of like what I said about the Browns and the Ravens. I think the Browns are more equipped for the postseason. I think Washington football team also is. And here's the reason why. That defense, you go top to bottom, it's one of the best defenses. In, no, no, I will say it. It is the best defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, you have Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Martez Sweat. That is your, I mean, your front four. It's going to be hard to be a bad defense with something like that. Then you also bring in the speed of Jamin Davis. I really am excited about him. John Bosick, very responsible defender, very responsible linebacker in his own right. Love. Dude, I love that wide receiving core. It all comes down to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I think he will hold them back a little bit this year. He's like 38 or 39. I can't remember off the top of my head. I really like him, though. It's just not enough. I think that Dallas is going to get it done this year, and I'm going to switch really quick. The Cowboys this year, Dak Prescott coming back, Zeke's lost weight. That wide receiver room looks good. All of a sudden, that line looks as good as it has been in probably 5, 10 years. And get this, Steven, that defense looks like it has a pulse. And if that defense has a pulse, all of a sudden, especially with the six games that they have to play in the NFC East, I think that that Dallas Cowboys team is going to be an 11-6, and 12-5 team. They won up Washington. I think they have the head-to-head if it comes to it. The Dallas Cowboys are going to get it done. I don't like Mike McCarthy. But I like Mike McCarthy enough not to ruin this team from a division title. And then at that point, look out. They have all the intangibles to make a deep run in the NFC. We kind of left this up for foreshadowing itself. I have the Cowboys at 10-7, and 7, the same as I have the Washington football team with that one division game. I have Dallas finishing 5-1, and one, dropping their lone division game 
to that Washington football team, and that's the only one. It's like a little bit of a home-and-home. You know, you always have to give it to them. That's a very fun rivalry. It wouldn't be as underrated as it was if these teams were above 500 every time they played. They just so happen to never be above 500 when they do play. I'm going positive on here, thinking that this Dak Prescott injury really isn't as serious because I know now he's getting back into practice. He's throwing with velocity, Jerry Jones says, but who gives a shit what Jerry Jones says because he only says what what he wants to hear and what he thinks is true, even though that's not really what's actually happening. Offensive line is not what we're accustomed to seeing in Dallas, but like you said, Zeke's a little bit thinner. He's looking good. Dak Prescott is an absolute stud. That defense may have a pulse, but I'm... That pulse is one person, and that's Micah Parsons. That man is going to be a problem. Arguably their defensive MVP on this roster because I do not trust them. Adding Micah Parsons is not automatically going to skyrocket you into having a good defense. It's a good start. It's a, That just ain't it. I think that they will have the offensive firepower that Washington will be lacking to take that division just slightly by one game. Now, of course, this is just for Dallas just to lose in the first round of the playoffs like they typically do. So it's all going to be fun and games. Skip Bayless will be miserable, bitching about how he lost his cases of Mountain Dew to to Shannon Sharp yet once again. But I kind of want to take the Washington football team. We'll, We'll kind of reconvene after this. I'm surprised that we actually agreed on this. Maybe we're right. Maybe we're wrong. I still expect us to have a bet on our Colts Titans because at this point, that's our biggest disagreement. We keep expecting one, so at the end, we might have to reconvene. We have to sign up for a marathon, but walk the whole thing. I'm fucking kidding. That is not on the table. That is not uh, yeah, on the I was table. Say, Neither no, of us would no, want to do that, you. but potentially a 5K. I'd entertain that. We should do, yeah, we should make you sign up for like a walk for something, for something that you're completely contradicting. <laughs> this is what it is. Our bet, if whoever loses, you have to reach out to Bishop Sycamore and ask for a tryout and actually try to get on that team. I'll it's do an it. Ohio-based high school. I'm ready. Yeah, I will do it. I will do it. All right, let's fucking roll. We got it. Let's go Colts, baby. Titans. Well, I, we got to figure out what, like, you know, like Raiders, it's a Raiders. And like, go Pack, go. What is it for the Titans and Colts? Uh, Isn't it tighten up? And then uh, I don't know about the Colts. Exactly. Tighten up. Oh, Nelly. <laughs> it's just, uh, well, what's the damn guy that sings like beer for my horses with uh, Toby Keith? Willie know, Nelson. You're Willie Nelson I'm... now. You're, you're just Willie Nelson from here on out. I was going to give him Conway Twitty. Hey, that I works. That's, that works. I think that works a little bit better. Before we kick it NFC West, the best division of football, let's cover the NFC South, who we all, I think we're all on the same page on this one as well. I'll start with my last place team. Jesus Christ, why am I so high on these guys? I have the Atlanta Falcons tied up with the Carolina Panthers in the last place. Oh, I get it. I get it. Never mind. Why am I so high on these guys? Never mind. I thought you were I'm st- I'm still I'm this you're still going to laugh at me. So I have them both tied up at 7 and 10 in this division. That might be a little bit too high. But I think we're giving I think I'm giving Kyle Pitts at least two of those wins right there cuz the offensive firepower win. In reality, why would we think that a offense minus Julio Jones adding a rookie tight end who really flourished his last year in Florida would automatically skyrocket to make this offense better? I think with Julio, you'd, you'd argue that this offense is absolutely dominant. But the Falcons win against the Eagles opening day, lost to the Bucks, Giants, Washington football team with the wind of the Jets going into the week six bye. Dolphins, Panthers, Saints, Cowboys. I have them going two and two. 
losing to the Dolphins and the Saints, beating the New England Patriots Thursday night, week 11. I know, a little bit salty. You have to make these crazy, you have to make those crazy games in there to make it look like a genius. Then their last few games, win against the Jags, L against the Bucks, L against the Panthers, Niners, Bills, and Saints with the lone win week 16 against the Detroit Lions. Matt Ryan, you're done, bud. You're going to be on a different team next year getting shopped around. I really think I was uh, hitting the nail on the head last year when I was saying just shop this whole team. If it wasn't for Kyle Pitts having that great year, I think this team would look completely different. Maybe the longevity of his career will go past this because of said Kyle Pitts. I just don't see it happening because, again, defensively, what do we have to fall back on in this Atlanta team? In a division where you have a Tom Brady-led Bucks, a proven Jameis Winston-led Saints that can put up points, and the Panthers with the Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold, that I could, I would argue can put up points with that offense, I don't see them being able to do that in the division. Coming in last, again, I said tie with Carolina, Sam Darnold on a prove-it year. I have them winning four of their first five, only losing to the Dallas Cowboys, Jets, Saints, Texas, and Eagles as the win, and then kind of going downhill from there with tough games like the Vikings, the Giants. You got the Cardinals, another Washington football team, Dolphins, Bills, and of course you got the Bucks. two out of the three last games sprinkled in with the Saints as well. I don't see the wins for Carolina quite yet. Not saying that Matt Rule needs to be on the hot seat, but maybe Sam Darnold just isn't that guy this year and we can reassess everything after the year. I don't know, maybe snag a Matt Ryan. Maybe if your team is enticing enough, snagging in Aaron Rodgers. So seven and seven and ten going into this year, I think that's going to be awesome. Carolina was one of those teams last year that had a lot of close one possession games. I just see that happening again this year while still trying to build that roster. Maybe next year that will be their time to shine with a potential Tom Brady retirement looming. Maybe the Saints aren't going to hit as well. Maybe the Falcons are just going to start rebuilding even worse than they are. I love Kyle Pitts. You got to hear me in the lead up to the NFL draft how much I really liked him. To me, he's the best tight end prospect in a long time. Reminds me a ton of Darren Waller. There are things that, I guess, from that side of the ball, like Calvin Ridley, those are the kind of guys that you're looking at right now and you're hoping that they can take steps to give you hope for the future. But Matt Ryan, dude, the guy's mid-30s. He's not going to get it done forever. That offense beyond those guys I mentioned, what do you have? I mean, Cordero Patterson, one of the best special teams players of all time. It's a shame for him that guys like Devin Hester and guys like Josh Cribbs came a decade before him because he'd be held in that same esteem had he been earlier. With that being said, that is what he is now. This defense is nothing. I think that that Atlanta Falcons team is a 4-13 team, maybe splitting with Carolina. That's our only win in division. But regardless, dark days are ahead in Atlanta. I will go to Carolina now. They're my third place team. Again, I kind of admit that 4-5 win threshold. I really like what CMC is, but it's proof again what you don't want to give up for a running back. The guy's a all-time talent at that position, but if you do not have anyone around you on either side of the ball, if the defense is going to leave you on the field for only 25 minutes a game, that quarterback is only going to be able to get you those balls inside five yards of the line of scrimmage. I just don't have that, I guess, capability of believing that wins are going to follow when you pay a running back. And unfortunately for him, 
That's what we're looking at here. Sam Darnold. Only Josh Rosen I can think of off the top of my head. Can you think of a worse situation his entire career? He jumps into New York. There was no offensive line at the start. It takes his entire career there until a guy like Makai Becton comes along. He still has no one to throw to. Now he goes down to Carolina. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a meh offensive line. I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. And I like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But has he been damaged beyond repair? We'll find out early on. Even if he does play to, I guess, the level we can expect him. What is that? Eight wins? Nine wins? They're not a playoff team. And if you are eight or nine wins, you it's almost, again, you're stuck in that middle of the pack road where you have to wonder, do we fix the quarterback position to get more wins? Or do we have to tear things down to the studs, build it up again to get there? I don't like Carolina either way. Sam Darnold, they're my third team. Now it gets into the top two teams. I'll throw it over to you. Who's your division winner in the NFC South? And who is your runner-up? NFC South, I mean, it's pretty clear. We've got the New Orleans Saints that are going, going to finish at 9-8. and eight. I have them 4-2 and two in the division. I have them 9-8 and eight overall. Dropping the first game to the Green Bay Packers. Panthers, Pats, Giants, Washington football team. I have them going into their week six bye week. I have them going in one and five. So I think we can all do math here. After the bye week, loss against the Saints. I had them beating the Bucks at home, Falcons at home, Tennessee Titans on the road, Eagles, Bills at home, losing to the Cowboys, finishing it off with a win at the Jets, loss to the Bucks, loss to the Dolphins, win against Carolina and Atlanta to bring them just on the outside of the wild card spot here. So I have them at 9-8. and eight. Jameis Winston having a very positive year. Maybe 31 touchdowns and 31 interceptions. Highly doubt that. I think this team is going to surprisingly not be as bad without Drew Brees. But maybe not getting as much hype as we should be giving them as a team. And it's just going to be another year that only me and you are going to look at Sean Payton and be like, are you really that offensive mastermind? Everyone claims you to be. I have them at 9-8, which brings me to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that division at 14-3. Only having one division loss, like I said, to that New Orleans Saints team in Week 8. There's just a lot of teams I don't trust. The only other losses I have from them are, are at LA Rams, Week 3, Washington football team, Week 10. And then, like I said, the New Orleans Saints, Week 8. This Buccaneer team is going to be absolutely filthy. They're returning all 22 starters from their Super Bowl team. Super Bowl hangover? Are they are they going to be as strong as they are last year? Absolutely. Tom Brady is the greatest motivational quarterback arguably to ever play the game. Sure, you can have other guys, but when have you ever seen a quarterback come to a team and raise their level to win the Super Bowl the year after they were arguably the same defense? Just not as filthy. Yeah, you you added a couple players, like an Anton Winfield Jr. Some people to the secondary, but man, this team is going to be filthy. And why not? And all signs are pointing for them to just run the NFC table here again, Wally. I cannot help but agree with you that Tampa Bay is going to do it yet again. I wanted to try really hard. Oh, oh, so now you actually are going to agree with me this time around. Okay. I am. Look at me. I'm giving you a little benefit of the doubt. I watched that New Orleans Saints last couple preseason games and desperately tried to talk myself into the Saints being able to compete. But with all being said, you have to go with this 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They're bringing back more players from a defending Super Bowl champion that we've ever seen. It's unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah, I guess if we want to talk real quick before we go into the Bucs about those Saints, they were in cap hell a year ago. They couldn't have handled it better than... I, I don't think anybody could have seen them handled this well. They're going to be, to me, I don't know, maybe an eight, nine win team. Jameis looks like at least a guy you can try to build around. There are issues. Does Michael Thomas make the team beyond like week six? Do they move him around? Do they continue to try to shed that cap space, that cap hell they're in? Regardless, even if they do try to like go with it with Jameis, it's not enough. Tampa Bay... With that team, they're bringing back, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it that I have to admit you were right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers look really freaking good. Tom Brady, amazingly, you watch him in preseason right now. I wanted to say, even after winning a Super Bowl, because it's what everybody wants to say, he doesn't look that good anymore. He looks like he's missed a step. The difference is, is that he looks more comfortable in this offense with Bruce Arians and not only does he look more comfortable he looks better in preseason this year than he did last year now we have to just figure out is that a testament to the defenses that he was playing the practice squad level guys or is Tom Brady realistically better today than he was in August last year I don't know but I think that Tampa goes 13 and 4, 5 and 1 in the division. I think the Saints go somewhere. 10 or 11 wins. Might even sneak out a wild card spot. But yet again, if you're a Bucs fan, man, I mean, Tampa Bay, talk about a stretch for their sports. Two championships with the Lightning, one with the Buccaneers. They're on a hot spell of hot spells, and there's no reason to believe that it's ending in 2021. And they had a representative in the, uh, in the World Series in the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Great point. Outstanding point. And the Rays are a little bit hot right now. I've just been kind of riding them on gambling a little bit because they I feel like they've been an absolute lock recently. Mostly because they've been playing the Baltimore Orioles, who are dog shit. Let's finish it up with the best division in football, Wally. This one's kind of hard to breeze through because this is the toughest division in football. We're pretty close on what we what we're thinking here. I got the Arizona Cardinals finishing 9-8 and eight at the bottom of their division going 2-4. and four. Listen, I know they have a lot of veteran presence that they had traded for and acquired in the offseason. I just don't know how much that's actually going to correlate to on-field success. Adrian Green with his injury history recently, question mark. DeAndre Hopkins, second best receiver in the league behind Devontae Adams, still a hell of a receiver to have. You sprinkle that in with Christian Kirk, and don't forget about Rondell Moore as well. I feel like he's going to be very, very beneficial for that offense in the jet sweep aspect in the slot. I know that's where Christian Kirk likes to play a lot, but now you have depth there and speed there. You get to switch it up a little bit, and that's fun. I just don't know how much I trust, again, that offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. It wasn't that Kyler Murray's not able to make the athletic plays and throws that he's doing. It's that he has to make them impromptu because that offensive line is so bad that he's just making them look pretty decent. Got the Seahawks finishing 11 and 6, third in this division and the sixth wild card spot. Like I said, at 11 and 6, I don't think that they did defensively enough in the secondary for me to really trust them and look past of how bad that pass 
defense was last year. At the end of the year, their run defense came on really strong. I think that that's going to continue into this year. But when you have something Colin Coward likes to say, you have to be average at everything in the NFL. You can't be terrible at one thing because the league is going to find that one thing you're terrible at and expose you every single week. That secondary in the Seattle Seahawks is what I'm talking about. I also want to pair that up with their offensive line because outside of Dwayne Brown, they got fucking no one that you could really rely on. Russell Wilson, MVP candidate. Can he get it done this year? Can he get more than one MVP vote? We will see. But that San Francisco 49ers team, 13-4, and I have them. They are going to come back with a vengeance. That defense is healthy. The only question we have is if Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance reports coming out, maybe they'll do a two-quarterback system. That's not good for rapport. But I think Trey Lance may be that guy. Even though it's been 600 days, that span he's only played in one football game. He's lighting it up in the preseason. Well, Steve, it's just the preseason. Don't sit here and tell me you don't believe in Trey Lance because he plays in a lower division in football and the FBS and then bitch about him doing well in the NFL, and like, eh, it's not that good. There's no way he was playing that good of competition in the conference that he was playing in. So give him some sort of respect. I have them at 13-4. and four. That is a very Miami Dolphins coaching record. You have Kyle Shanahan there. He led them to, a, to seven wins last year with fucking no one. George Kittle's a problem. Brandon Ayuk is going to raise some eyebrows this year, that wide receiving core. Don't forget about their two to three to five to six to seven-headed running monster they have there. Your boy, Trey Sermon. See if Jet McKinnon wants to start playing. We're still missing a couple. I think that Niners Niners team is coming back. Fifth team to come in the playoffs with the LA Rams winning this division, being the number two seed in the playoffs at 13 and four. I think bringing in Matt Stafford to that offense is finally going to give them that extra oomph. That thing Jared Goff couldn't do. Sure, you lost a couple players defensively that went to the Cleveland Browns and in Troy Hill and John Johnson. Still got Aaron Donald. You still have the best lockdown cornerback in football. We were saying the same thing last year. We don't believe outside of those two, they have nothing to do. We don't know who the fuck Troy Hill or John Johnson really, really was last year. And then they started balling. Why not do the same thing? Next man up mentality. I have three of the NFC playoff teams coming out of this division. And this is the number one division outside of the AFC North. I am honing in on this year, and I cannot wait. Take it away, Walter. I will start from the bottom as well. And I do have Arizona. We have the same record. I have them going 8-9, and largely for the same reason you do. They did bring in some veteran players this year, whether that be an A.J. Green, whether that be the J.J. Watts of the world. The team, it all depends. They kind of remind me a lot of the Baltimore Ravens of the NFC just because we need to see Kyler Murray take the next step. And I think he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson, which lends me to believe that they have a higher ceiling than Baltimore. The only difference is this is the toughest division in football, which you alluded to earlier. I think they do go 9-8. and eight. I think they go 3-3 three and three in the division. They do have a time. It's just not this year. I do think people should be patient with Kyler Murray. It just makes you wonder, though. It feels like they're going all in with the J.J. Watts, the A.J. Greens of the world. 
I love Zayvon Collins coming in this year. I think he's going to be outstanding. You watch him at Tulsa last year. He had a few games that on ESPN you probably got to see incredibly fast. He kind of looks like a safety with the linebacker body, and that's just so rare. It's the NFL body that you see. But we'll go to Seattle now. Seattle, I have them at number three. They're one of those teams, again, Every year when you have a guy like Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback, you realistically have a chance to make an impact. And if DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett continue with, the, I guess, the way they've played, there's no reason to believe that the passing game shouldn't be better. It's just a matter. We've talked about it again. We need that running game up there to at least be functional, to give, I guess, the defense a reason to respect that part of that offense. Because outside, if they're just dropping eight guys back, you're not going to see that. And Russell Wilson is going to struggle yet again like he did in the second half of the year. The let Russ Cook movement was awesome until all of a sudden it wasn't. And when people were able to drop back seven guys every play because they had no respect for the run, that Seattle team wasn't the same anymore. I think this year it'll be interesting to see. I do think that with Chris Carson, I do think that with the addition of Gabe Jackson, Chris Carson will be able to be a little better. I think that offense will make it a point to run the ball. And if that is the case, who knows? Maybe they are able to get a little better. But like you, I have them at 9-8. and eight. I think I have them just missing the playoffs. So I will go to my third team in the division. You're number one. I have the Los Angeles Rams. I can't say enough about this team. This is not a detriment to them that I am picking them number two in this division. It is how deep it is. And when I say how deep it is, I think they go 11-6. and six. If you go 11-6 and six in the toughest division in football, I mean, that's a testament to not only coaching, to the roster you have on hand. Matthew Stafford, I think, is going to have a tremendous year. Everybody's going to talk about Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods. What they're not going to talk about, Tyler Higby is one of the like closet best tight ends in a league but he's kind of hidden because of the offense they run. I think he's going to have a great year. And with, again, that Aaron Donald, the Aaron Donald, and that defense out there, you're going to have the Jordan Fullers of the world, the Jalen Ramsey's of the world. They're going to be more than good enough to get them into the playoffs, and they're going to be a threat to win the Super Bowl. I just don't think they quite get it done. Then that leaves me to my NFC West champion. It's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. I'm trying to find a hole in the team, first of all, but I have been basically stroking Kyle Shanahan since we've started this. I love that guy. To me, he's the best coach in football right now. He's tremendous. He's kind of got that old school, his dad vibe of Mike Shanahan meet with a little bit of Bill, where he's going to, when I say Bill, Bill Belichick, where he's going to adjust, I guess, to the, the league around him, not necessarily just the team around him. Great offensive line. The wide receivers look good. It all comes down to that quarterback position. If Trey Lance, I think, gets in there early enough in the year, they win the division. And maybe if they bring him in early enough, they might just win the NFC outright in the regular season and clinch home field. Now, Steven, that was a lot of fun. We are out here. We're talking all these divisions. People at home are losing their minds right now. So let's keep this quick. Do you want to go through our conference championships and our Super Bowl winners before we go into our brief award segment and then we just shut it down for the week, give everybody a breather? Let's get it, baby. Let's fucking do it. So I'm going to ask you real quick, who is in your AFC championship game? Where is it at? 
who wins. And honestly, let's just do both. Then your NFC championship, where is it at? Who's in it? Who wins? And after you do that, I'll do mine, and we'll go back to the Super Bowl before we get to our awards. Kansas City's on the revenge tour this year. They have done nothing but answer every beck and call that was that was obviously represented in the Super Bowl, but for their young quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. You were able to make moves without giving up anything. This is scary. The whole league should be fucking petrified. And I mean, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir at this point because you're in that division. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to be so, so scary to deal with all year long. They're going to come out firing. They will not slow down. And they are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl after defeating the Cleveland Browns in Kansas City to go on there. Brownies fans, I have you beating the Los Angeles Chargers at home to move on to defeat the Buffalo Bills at home to go and lose the Kansas City in Kansas City. That's one step closer and another loss to Kansas City. Take this as a win. Barring injury, any huge upsets, which is so hard for this team. I have Kansas City coming out of the AFC after defeating Baltimore Ravens and, like I said, the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. On the NFC side, I have the L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC game. L.A. defeating the Green Bay Packers in the revenge of last year, sending Aaron Rodgers on his sad goodbye tour in the complete finish, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating the San Francisco 49ers to move on to host a home NFC championship game against those L.A. Rams. Again, I don't think that... That's going to come down to defense, as all of playoff games do. And you have to give the nod to Tampa Bay, again, barring injury. I have Tampa Bay and Kansas City win the rematch. This time, Kansas City come out on top because that fire is going to be burning endlessly, like the tire fire throughout the series of the of the great Simpsons. I'm going to be so boring. I feel like you're going to hate me because I feel like I'm doing so much talk, but it's what we said last year. It's like the whole don't bet against Bill Belichick. It's the same kind of thing now. It's I'm not going to bet against the Chiefs until they prove to me that I really shouldn't. I have the Kansas City Chiefs at home over the Tennessee Titans. And trust me, I love me some Tennessee Titans this year. I have the Chiefs winning 34-33. That's a Swami score. That's a, what, Berman kind of score. I feel like the Titans miss a two-point conversion late or something like that. Something weird, but the Chiefs do end up holding on. Then I go out west. San Francisco is going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay does not get it done this time. Kyle Shanahan gets his little bit of revenge over Tom Brady for that Super Bowl against the Falcons. San Francisco ends up winning that game. Something like a score of 27-21. to 21. Gets it done. All of a sudden... Then you have San Francisco against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. But I want to go to yours first. Who do you have winning your Super Bowl? Let's hear a score. Way too early score, but let's hear it. I have the Chiefs coming out here on top, finally completing the revenge tour. I am going with the score of 28-24 to Kansas City. I have San Francisco over Kansas City, also going revenge tour of a couple years ago. I'm going to say differently for them. This feels more of like a stupid score. I'm feeling like a 26-24 game where San Francisco's in field goal range quite a bit. Don't get it in to get three field goals. Just do enough. Four field goals, I guess, to get it done. Yeah, because 14 plus four field goals. I'm good at math. That'd be 26. 
just edge out the Kansas City Chiefs in a really close game, 26-24. to 24. Now, Stephen, how about you throw us into a couple of awards and we'll send people on their way because they don't know at home. It's been over three hours since we started recording this. A little bit longer, too, because we had to restart the Skype thing because of the whole computer difficulties we had. So I'm, I feel like we're going on like 3, 315, 320. I'm, de- I'm dead inside. I'm dead inside. You have no fucking clue. I, I mean, I, for the record, I have to like immediately turn around and edit this. So just remember me in your thoughts and prayers. Before we hop into the award section of this, I do want to kind of gloss over something here. So I know that I at least had the LA Rams going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. If you do not know or do not remember, the Super Bowl is being held in SoFi Stadium this year. We potentially, potentially see the Rams win the Super Bowl in their own stadium from it never happening ever in NFL history to it happening back-to-back. Or in Wally's case, a California-based team winning in that state, not exactly their stadium, but there's that huge potential of that happening. You're brilliant. What a what a little find that was. If the San Francisco 49ers do win it, I am putting, I want to put a hundred dollars if this is a prop bet, I want I would put a hundred dollars on Shanahan doing the monkey off my back move that Steve Young did after he won a Super Bowl when Joe Montana got off. No, he said ripped it off. That'd be amazing, though. We're going to go into Comeback Player of the Year. Comeback Player of the Year, I feel like this is basically a one-man race. I want to toss it to you before. I like to pick some blasphemy on this because, you know, you're boring. I'm fun in my pick based off what I'm watching. What do you have? Who do you have, I should say? I think it's very easy. I think it's got to be Dak Prescott. I think that we got to see in the first five games of last year before his tragic ankle surgery and ankle injury last year that he was going to be kind of emerging as one of the new guys, like that new premier quarterback in the league. And if he can do that, especially in that market of Dallas, the plus 175 that he's going to be getting, home run bet. Here's a couple of the other numbers just for you guys at home so you have an idea. He Dak Prescott is the favorite, which is why Steven said I'm a little bit boring there. To give you an idea, the number two, Saquon Barkley, is only plus 600. Joe Burrow, also plus six. Same with Christian McCaffrey. Nick Bosa is plus seven. Carson Wentz, plus nine. Darnold, plus 16. Derwin James, plus 1,600 as well. Vaughn Miller, same again. And then Joe Mixon, plus 2,000. A lot of those names, if you look at it, they're running backs. It's really hard for a running back to win the award if there is a high-level name quarterback on that list. So for me, without a doubt, if the Dallas Cowboys do what I projected earlier, it is a no-brainer. It is Dak Prescott. Take the money to the bank. Easy money. If you bet 100 you win 275 What do you got for me, Steven? For my comeback player of the year, I kind of want to go off the wall here. Dak Prescott, I feel like, is, you know, Obviously, the lock here. Sprinkle. I would sprinkle a little bit on Saquon at plus 600. Maybe Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy as well as Saquon at plus 600. I want the blasphemy pick. I'm going to go at Von Miller plus 1600, and this is why. Based on some of the O-lines that Von Miller gets to play, the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jets, the Steelers with some question marks, the Raiders with some question marks, the Washington football team with some question marks, the Cowboys, Eagles, 
Lions, Bengals with some question marks. Von Miller to come off his ankle injury with the addition of the 17th game that they're always going to be playing. He is going to set the sack record coming off of that injury to win comeback player of the year over Dak Prescott. Because Dak Prescott's going to have too many lingering shit going on and something's going to go south where it's going to be like a week 13 or 14 injury to take him out and Von Miller's longevity of the season's going to bring him up to that. And if you guys don't know, the single season sack records held by Michael Strahan at 22 and a half. With that addition of 17 games, I mean, why some of these offensive lines, you could see Von Miller having a two and a half, three sack game. I'm calling that. I wish I was smart enough to make a defensive player to your category for us. I didn't do it. We only have. Yeah, because we don't, because we feel like not, you know, we don't really feel like throwing our money away to watch Aaron Donald win it again. But we only did comeback player of the year, rookie of the year, coach of the year, MVP. What I will say is if I was betting money on anything with Vaughn Miller, defensive player of the year with what you just said, I think makes a lot more sense. Because I'm not knocking what he's going to do. I just truly am not high on what Dak can do. But if Vaughn Miller stays healthy with the offensive lines he's playing against that you just mentioned, there's no reason to believe he can't get 15 or 16 sacks in a season. And when you consider the capability that he has, he's got speed. He's the guy that's liable to scoop and score. He's liable to get a stupid pick somehow and like return it. I mean, there's a lot of things that Vaughn Miller can do. I'm not quite as high on the comeback player of the year purely because of Dak Prescott, but I honestly think if you were really high on him, go with Steven. So if Vaughn Miller sets the record, say he just gets 23 on the nose, right? Or even gets a 22 and a half. He ain't getting near 23. Let's take a deep breath. I'm just, dude, you never fucking know. You never thought we're going to see the first undrafted rookie running back rush for a thousand yards this season either. You know, obviously putting him in the same category as Vaughn Miller is a little bit. Uh, ludicrous for me to say, but Bob Miller theoretically hits 23 sacks, but Dak Prescott doesn't set any single season record for a quarterback. Would you not kind of give that nod to Von Miller, even though Dak has such a great supporting cast around him? Say he has all three receivers, a thousand yards. He has Zeke go for 1500. Where would you be leaning to? So here's the deal. If he gets even... 17 sacks next year. I think there's a realistic case to be made for him. I don't believe that happens, though. I think that Vaughn's going to be a 13 to 16 sack guy. If he gets 23, forget about comeback player of the year because he's already won it. He will win defensive player of the year. We're on the MVP. 23 is unprecedented in today's day and age. It will not happen. I would love it to happen. And I'm a, I hate the Broncos. But if it happens, I will tip my hat so hard to you. I just don't buy it. Next up, we have Rookie of the Year, which I feel like is very, very obvious. I like the I like a lot of these rookies. We have Trevor Lawrence leading the pack at plus 300, Kyle Pitts at plus 750, with Trey Lance, Najee Harris at plus 800, and Justin Fields rounding out the top five at plus 850. So if you're going to sprinkle in your money here, or if you're going to really go in on it, me personally, my guy's not even on here that I'm going for. I've been talking to my buddies about it, and honestly, I'm riding the A.J. Brown hype train on putting $10 on his guy, Elijah Moore, for those New York Jets. I mean, I know I'm kind of contradicting myself when Zach Wilson is the sixth guy right behind Justin Fields at plus 1,000. But why not? That would be so much fun. 10 to win 350. That's where I sprinkled it on. That's what I'm going to go with. Realistically, I think Najee Harris is going to win this. Both of the same odds as Trey Lance. 
I just like Najee because I know for a fact he's going to be, you know, barring injury, I keep saying that, starting from the get-go, unlike what Trey Lance is. And Trey Lance is going to have to put on a better season than Justin Herbert did last year, and most likely a shorter amount of games for him to really win it. Najee Harris is that dude. Everyone is hyped about him, obviously inside of Pittsburgh, but a lot, a lot of good hype around him outside of that Pittsburgh area. I'd sprinkle my money on Najee Harrison for shits and gigs. You got to throw it on Elijah Moore just because. Wow. Okay, first of all, when you started, when I heard A.J. Brown, first of all, I'm like, Steven, dude, he's not a rookie. Like, do we need help? But, no, wait. Let it, just let it come. Let it come is right. And, you know, honestly... Elijah Moore is, to me, one of the guys that I was wrong last year. So, like, credit to me for admitting I'm an idiot. But Andy Isabella was a guy I was really looking forward to see. A guy that was like, this guy, look out for him. He's going to be a potential rookie of the year candidate at that wide receiver position down there in Arizona. It didn't work out. Elijah Moore, though, he's really close for me. Like, not... To picking him. <laughs> I'm just saying for my thoughts on Isabella, what I'm doing, I think Trey Lance comes in after San Francisco starts a little shaky, whether that be one and three, two and two, what have you. I think he comes in and naturally the 49ers, I picked him to win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to do great. And I think he's going to be one of the first. Is it the first? I want to say maybe second rookies to win the Super Bowl. And he wins rookie of the year at the same point. But let's go over now to our coach of the year while you're looking that up. That's why I love you. You guys can't see it at home. We have our stat department over here in Steven Googling that I'm an idiot. Coach of the year. I'm going to read out some of these numbers real quick for you. We have Brandon Staley. He's plus 1,300. All these guys are that I will tell you until I change it. Kevin Stefanski, Kyle Shanahan. Then you go to the plus 1,400 list, which is Brian Flores and Sean McVay. Then for plus 1,600, you have Frank Reich. And Ron Rivera, then Sean McDermott for plus 17. Bill Belichick and Sean Payton at plus 18. I'm going to go first here. I'm just going to tell you real quick. I've been stroking, stroking the 49ers off this entire time. And guess what? It ain't going to stop. Not only do I take Trey Lance to win Rookie of the Year, I followed up with Kyle Shanahan to win Coach of the Year. If you make Trey Lance your Rookie of the Year, if you make that 49ers team the NFC champion, and we can call it whatever we want about what we choose to voting, they will be a 13 or 14 win team. That is going to be a winner at plus 1,300. It's probably the most confident I feel out of any of these other picks. But before I go even further and go into the MVP... Coach of the year for you. Who do you got and why do you got him? So I like your correlation that you're making, right? It's, it's, you know, the correlation I'm going to be making is what are these teams or what I'm, what am I predicting these teams to do? Brandon Staley, I'm, I'm high on the charges out. Do you need to win the division or come within a couple games within it, right? To be able to actually be considered because if you got if you're stagnant from last year, it's like, okay, well, that's just really Anthony Lynn's team, arguably without a couple of players that you're not making better when you're supposed to be this guy, right? Kevin Stefanski, I think with him winning it last year, that he already raised that bar that they that they're just not going to give it to him regardless if unless they go undefeated, right? I just don't see them giving it to Kevin Stefanski. Kyle Shanahan, how could you not look at this? He was, you know, football fans, I'd argue that he was our our coach of the year. Right, like looking on it from the outside, like that dude did so much with so little last year, 
and made that team uber competitive. We'll see how that defense looks without Robert Sala, you know, leading it. But I don't expect them to miss a beat. I don't know why we just brought it up here or I brought it up just now. But Brian Flores, plus 1,400. Saw McVay. He has to have a really good season. I find it really hard to pick these teams. I'm going to go with Ron Rivera at plus 1,600. Great value. A little bit better than what Kyle Shanahan has. I just think the problem with all these coaches listed prior is the they've either set the bar too high that they need to do something to surpass that for them to win. Or like a Brandon Staley, you need to do something against the Chiefs or get close to that division to do it. Or Brian Flores, I could see him. That's a nice little sprinkle. Sean McVay, I think he's not going to win coach of the year, even though he might win that division. I just don't see it. Frank Reich out. Ron Rivera, I love it. The way he has his defense playing, if he's able to show 75% competence on the offensive side of the ball, that team could be way better than what we're even predicting. Not saying that we're some mind readers here, but they could be better than what we're predicting. And maybe he could skyrocket to the favorites as the weeks go by. By the way, no rookie quarterbacks have ever won it. Ben Roethlisberger is the youngest to ever win it. Which was probably his second year. I think they went 15-1. and one. Yeah, well, he was 14-0 when he came in. Yeah. Him. Oh, yeah, the team went 15-1, and one, I should say. Yeah, I don't know if it's like second year in the league. I know it's Ben. And Russ, obviously. Second year starting. I know Aaron won at his second year starting. Probably Tom Brady. Yeah, but Aaron was also like 38 when he came in his second year because the Packers just didn't play him for so long. Yeah, that's what that's the current age he's at. You fucking idiot. It was a joke. All right. And we're gonna finish off the 2021 awards here with of course MVP. Patrick Mahomes, the favorite at plus 500 with Aaron Rodgers right behind at plus 800. Josh Allen at plus 12 with Lamar, Kyler, and Tom Brady all right behind at plus 1,400. Dak Russ at plus 1,600. Matt Stafford, 18. Justin Herbert rounding out the top 10 at plus 2,000. So for the MVP, you know, I'm just going to be biased on this. I just sprinkle it every single year on Aaron Rodgers. Eventually it pays off. Not really. Longevity does make you money if you're only putting 10 or 20 down because the return is so great. Why not look at Josh Allen at plus 1,200? He had the most second-place votes last year ahead of Patrick Mahomes. His trajectory is amazing for this year. I wouldn't mind sprinkling a little bit on there. Lamar Jackson, uh, he has to surpass his, his first MVP year, right, to actually be considered for this. Kyler Murray, I don't see it happening. Tom Brady's too easy. I sprinkle a little bit on Aaron Rodgers, but who I'm actually putting it on, I got 20 on Justin Herbert already, baby. Justin Herbert, I think, is going to be the dark horse MVP candidate. Mahomes is such a cop-out. He'll get the LeBron treatment where he can win it every year, but then just get edged out by someone. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is always in that consideration. A bunch of these guys are, but a lot of these guys have to raise their level of play here. So a lot better than what they've had the last couple years to be considered. Russell Wilson stands out to me. And I just don't see Matt Stafford ever actually being in the conversation after week six. I'll come out and say the same thing I said earlier. I'm going to double down on basically what I'm doing before in that I have the Cowboys playing exceptionally well this year. I think they are going to win the NFC East. So what else does that mean for me? It means that not only does Dak Prescott win the comeback player of the year, Dak Prescott wins the most valuable player of the year. And not only do I believe that they win the division, I think this is a big year for the Cowboys just for it to be more of the same where they struggle 
whether that be in the divisional round or the wild card round. But I do think it's something to be looking forward to. I did like that your mention of Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert. Those are guys that are worth at least entertaining. But at plus 1,600, I think Dak Prescott has tremendous value. When you consider what he did early in that year last year, he was on a pace that was basically unprecedented. And I know they were trailing. That defense was a large part of it. It's weird when you say that to like someone that doesn't watch football. The defense was so bad, the offense was somehow more statistically better. But that's not something that normally happens. I do think the defense takes a step forward, and Dak Prescott, therefore, takes a step back statistically. But I think he does more than enough. And if that team goes 12-5, and five, and he's throwing 300 bones a game, I think that's the kind of guy that you want to hand that over to. And so for me, I'm taking Dak Prescott as the MVP, but I honestly do not mind their picks at all. I, I think they could very well end up being, uh, I guess, in that that motion of being correct. And while I wanted to bring this up earlier, I will bring it up real quick. I have a Google spreadsheet that I made for my other podcast, and I think I'm going to make for ours, where we keep track of our picks during the year. We keep track of our units and it can be a lot of fun just so that way our listeners are on board with us and we can keep track of our, I guess, preseason award winners. And we'll probably, none of us will be right. It'll be like, I don't, I mean, damn, it'll be Joe Mixon winning, like sweeping the awards because we're doing this, but we'll definitely make a list. And if you're cool with that, I'll put it up on our Instagram I'll put it up on our Facebook and I'll put it up on our Twitter, Stephen. Absolutely, whatever gets the uh, whatever gets the stats up there to prove that I'm better than you at this, especially the early preseason predictions, which <laughs> I was nailing. You're an idiot. That's going to wrap us up here. Finally, after a very very long two part episode, two part episode. We haven't even skimmed the surface of actually getting into it. Right when we come back next week, that's right, baby. We're going to run you through all the game lines. We're going to get back into prop lock and drop it. How could you forget? I know we only had it for a couple episodes last year, but we're bringing it back, baby, and we're going to have some fun ones. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Instagram at Loss of Down, Facebook at Loss of Down, and, of course, Twitter down underscore loss. I'm Stephen Weed. He is Walter Lukashensky. Wally, do you have any parting words for the fans? Yeah, I tell you what, that means that by the time this has come out, we're recording before the Buckeyes have already beat Minnesota 68 to nothing. It's unbelievable. No one's seen anything like it. The Buckeyes are 1-0. They're going to beat Oregon next Saturday. There's nothing on top of the world more than me. It's like when you take a bite of the, what, what's it called, the mint? That damn mint. And it's like, wow. The York peppermint mint. Exactly. I took a bite of the York peppermint mint. I'm on top of a mountaintop. We're one and all. Peppermint. Exactly. We're one and all. I don't care, even though we might be 0 and 1 at this point. And if we are, please disregard everything I said in the last minute. I hope that's not how it's going to go down. You heard it from there first. Nail the over, nail the spread for Ohio State. And we will catch you with prop lock and drop it. More spreads that you should be hitting on. And maybe a new segment. Oh. Love it. Smooches, boo bears. Boo hey. Bears. Oh, it's Do you want them to come back? Oh, they're my boo bears. <laughs>